Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. God, I just love you. And I praise you for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity. Let every single word I say be of you, nothing more, nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Really quick, I want to share with you just a couple of highlights of the word this morning. If you can go ahead and bring up the the lights, if you will. I know this has been out of order as far as our agenda, but his agenda has been done in the house this morning. Amen. Really quick, um, I'm, I'm... I'm just of the opinion that we are living in the last days. Revivals breaking out across the world. How many of y'all, I, I, I've witnessed, man, these things that's taken place. Um, revivals breaking out across the world. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a part of what God is doing in these last days. I want to be a part of the glory that's taken place. I want to be a part of every single thing that God has in store for his church in these last days. And when we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, this is the series that I'm launching today, and it's going to go through this month. I believe it's going to be a four-part series unless God directs me otherwise. Because when we think about the, the, the second coming of Jesus Christ, when we think about the rapture of the church, a lot of people get scared. A lot of people think, man, this is, this, they, they feel anxiety, they feel all of these emotions when they start thinking about the rapture or the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand something. It's not a horror story. It's a love story. And what do I mean by that? Because we can get so consumed in talking about, when it comes to end times, 666, mark of the beast, uh, famines, earthquakes, pestilences, um, wars, rumors. and, And guess what? All of those things are valid because they're in the Bible. But Jesus, as a matter of fact, Jesus had, had, had a word for us. When Jesus was on the face of this earth over 2,000 years ago doing pu- his public ministry, Jesus had something to say about the end times. And how many of y'all know if Jesus had something to say about it, it should be important? I'm going to say that one more time. How many of y'all know if Jesus had something to say about it, it should be important? I got about 50% of y'all that, that thinks that's important. So when Jesus says something, it's important. And we need, we need to, to, to look at this, and I, I, I don't think that I'm disrespecting anything this morning, but I know many of you are. I just want to read this scripture really quick. I'm not asking you to stand or anything like that. We've already prayed, but, but look at what Jesus had to say. Throw that scripture up there if y'all don't mind. John chapter 14. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, concerning these days, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Concerning the last days, the first thing that Jesus wants to get across to you and to me is what? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be scared. Don't feel anxious. Don't be in fear. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. And here it is. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back there it is Jesus said I what I'm I'm coming back I want you to understand you can't believe in the gospel and not believe in the second coming you can't believe that Jesus died was buried was resurrected and ascended into heaven is now seated at the right hand of God making intercession for you and for me you can't believe the gospel and not believe in the rapture 
Jesus is coming back for his bride. The bride is the church. The bride is anyone who put, professes Jesus as, as, as their Lord. He said, I'm coming back and I'm going to take you to be with me that where that you also may be where I am. Can I tell you the heart behind God and the rapture of the church, the heart behind it all is that he desires to be with you and he wants you to be with him. It's not a horror story. It's a love story. As a matter of fact, Jesus is coming back to take us to be with him for all of eternity. And that should encourage you. It should not bring fear. As a matter of fact, if it brings fear into your life, then we might need to pray today. Because, listen, I don't know about you, but I get, ex I get excited when I start preaching about heaven. I get excited when I start preaching about Jesus coming back. And I preach this message in its entirety. If you want the whole message, go back, listen to the podcast this week, watch the live stream that's on Facebook, all of that good stuff. You know where to find that. I'm just trying to share with you the highlights really quick. I'm not even going to keep you for the whole 30 minutes or 40 minutes that I normally preach today. But I want you to understand something. Revival is taking place. We are living in the last days. As the world th is thrown into more and more darkness and chaos and, and, and all of these things that's breaking out around the world, the church is being thrown into more and more glory. God is pouring out revival on the face of this earth. And, and, and the whole point of this message today is two things. Number one, I want to experience the glory. I want to experience the revival that God has in store for the saints, for the church in these last days. And number two, I want to reach as many souls... For the kingdom of God is we can possibly reach until the rapture of the church takes place. Can we just give a good amen and a hand clap right there? As a matter of fact, in the last 50 years, the gospel of Jesus has spread more than the past 1,973 years prior to that. Since Christ. Since Jesus gave his life on the cross, there has been more souls, listen to me, there has been more souls saved in the past 50 years than in the previous 1,973 years combined since Jesus. Souls, as a matter of fact, Muslims, the majority of, of whom are Muslims, are coming to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior by the, by the, the masses. Revival is breaking out. Souls are being saved. And you're thinking to yourself, well, pastor, I don't see it. Where is it? Because of the 193 sovereign nations on the face of this earth today, all but 17, the Christian, the, the, the Christian gospel is spreading faster than population. In all but 17. And as a matter of fact, out of those 17... There are actually only five that's in decline. So what that means is in five nations, population growth is outgrowing the, the, the spread of Christianity. But out of that 17, there's also 12 that are stagnant. They're in stasis, meaning it's not growing, it's not fluctuating. Uh, the, the amount that Christianity is growing versus the amount that population is growing. America is one of those 12. America is one of those 12. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, why is that? Why is that? I know this is different. I know, man, I, we've, we've had an altar call. We've had a move of the Holy Spirit. But I just felt compelled to share this with you. And here's the reason why. We've got to ask ourselves the question, where are we at as a church in America? 
Where are we at? What is our desire? What is our hunger? What do we thirst after? What do we hunger after more than anything on the face of this earth? And if the answer is that you hunger and seek first the kingdom of heaven, then can I tell you that Jesus said all of these things will be added unto you. So, so the fact of the matter is this morning, there's a shout out. The fact of the matter is this morning, see, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then can I tell you, these things, revival will follow. Glory will follow. Signs, wonders. It, it, it's not that we're seeking after signs, wonders, and miracles and all that. We're seeking after the kingdom. We're seeking after his righteousness. We're seeking after his face. And revival follows. So, we're living in the last days, but I want to be a part of what God's doing. There's so much of the Bible that covers what I like to call eschatology or prophecy. As a matter of fact, the Bible, I'm not going to get into all of it, but there, over one-third, as a matter of fact, two-thirds, I believe. Let me look at that. Amen. One-third of the Bible is prophecy. One-third of the Bible is prophecy. So why does it cover so much landscape? Why does prophecy cover so much landscape? It's because Jesus understood something. Jesus understood that not only was this going to be one of the most uh, significant times in human history, but he also understood it was going to be one of the most dangerous times in human history. He warned us that in the last days men will be lovers of the flesh rather than lovers of themselves, giving themselves to the doctrines of demons rather than, rather than to, to sound doctrines. They, they will follow anything that tickles their ear, whatever it makes, makes them feel good. That's why we have so many different things being preached behind pulpits today. That doesn't line up, might I add, that doesn't line up with the word of God. And all the while, America, the church in America, is silent. Silent about all of this. But I just want you to understand something today. If we're, if we're living in the last days, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting? Why are we silent? Why are we sitting back? Why are we just going through life? Why, are, why do we keep doing the same things over and over and over again expecting different results? Somebody once told me that that's the very definition of what? Insanity. Doing the same things over and over and over and over expecting different results. You see, if I polled this congregation today and I asked you, do you believe we're living in the last days? And you're like, well, I don't know if we're living in the last days. Let me just, let me just answer that question for you. It's really a trick question. Because if you ask yourself, are we living in the last days? Now, I would say yes, but I would also say that's a silly question to ask. I got your attention. It's a silly question to ask, and here's why. Because the days that we're living in is the only days that you have to live in. It's the only days you've got. So really, in the grand scheme of things, what does it matter if we're living in the last days? If the answer to that question is yes, and I believe it is, and you say, well, okay, if the answer is yes, here's what I would change, then what are you waiting on? Go ahead and change. Go ahead and change. Because I'm to the point to where I say, even so, come more Jesus. But you know what? If you, if you see fit to tarry, you know what? It's not going to change me one bit because I'm going to keep... Reaching as many people for the goodness of the glory of God as possible. Because everything I do is to bring praise to him. And so here's three quick things. And I know this has been different. I know trying to preach after a move and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit is very difficult. 
but I just felt like you needed to hear this today. Three quick things that we need to do living in the last days. Number one, make sure you're right with God. You say, Pastor, that's elementary. You would think. You would think. So many people, and, and I've said this before, and I don't know why I'm even going to this now, but I think it's the Holy Spirit just, just pricked this in my heart. I believe somebody needs to hear this. So many of us today, and I've said this before, we believe in a 51% heaven. You ever heard me say that before? We believe in a 51% heaven. You know what that means? That means a lot of us believe that if we're 1% better than we are bad, I'll make it a heaven. We believe in a 51% heaven. If I'm 1% more good than I am bad, then I'll, I'll make it a heaven. But that's not the gospel that I read. Because you don't make it to heaven based on how good of a person you are. You don't make it to heaven based on who your mom and daddy is. You don't make it to heaven based on how many times you come to church. You don't make it to heaven based on how many times you paid your tithes. Keep paying your tithes. But you don't make it to heaven based on all the... The, only, the Bible says that there's only one way to the Father. And it's through a relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ. And it's only... A, Jesus said, if you love me... A, pro, a, 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 a teacher of religious law asked Jesus, he said, he said, what's the most important law? What's the most important? Trying to trip him up. And Jesus said, well, the first is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Of which all of the law is fulfilled in those two things. You see, it's always been about God's love for you and your love for him. And the only reason that, and the only way that we can be sure, and can I tell you, you can be sure. You can know that you know that you know that you know where you stand in your relationship with God. You don't have to question it. You don't have to sit here and, and feel anxious about it. You don't have to say, well, I'm not 100% sure. You can be 100% sure. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. There it is, pastor. I got you. It's all about following commandments. No. You missed the first part of that scripture. You focused on the second part. The first part says, if you love me. Because if you love him, you'll obey the commandments. And so here's the thing. Make sure that you're right with God. 1 Peter 4 and 7 says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. The Bible says that we should pray, be, be, be a church of prayer. And to have a relationship with God, you actually got to talk to him sometimes. Amen? A prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless church is a church that does not want to experience revival. A prayerless church is a church that just is concerned about doing a religious thing. But I don't want to be a church that's just concerned about doing a religious thing. I want to be a church that's passionately, desperately in love with Jesus, that is clear-minded and focused in these last days and not so, so consumed about when, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? Listen, it's not about what you know concerning about, concerning about the end times. It's about who you know and who you are when Jesus comes. Go ahead and give him praise right there if you want to. As a matter of fact, Peter goes on to say, I'm skipping a verse, but I'm going to go to 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, meaning 
It's going to come when it's unexpected. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people should I be? What kind of person should I be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And see, I know what you're saying. My righteousness, your holiness, my holiness is like a filthy rag in the sight of a holy God. But I want you to understand something. We're clothed in his righteousness today. It's his righteousness that we're clothed in. Let me move on. Number two, we should rely on godly relationships. Let me read the scripture. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to everyone, to one another without grumbling. Love each other deeply. As a matter of fact, there's also a scripture in the Bible that says this, that the world will know that he is God by the way we love one another. And while the world is looking at churches that can do nothing but argue and bicker, about things that don't matter, split hairs over all of these silly things that we argue today. There are sinners out there that is, that is on their way to a devil's hell, and it's time the church opens up her eyes and think clearly and humble ourselves and pray and turn from our own ways and seek heaven because our land needs healing. Our land needs a savior. America needs revival. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not spitting and hollering and shouting. I almost preached so hard that I lost my voice in the early service. And if you want to hear some shouting preaching, then go back and listen to the podcast this week. But I'm just here to tell you, it's time that we love one another. It's time we get back to godly relationships. It's time that the church, it's time the world sees a unified church. Preached on unity last week. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more. Notice the day is capitalized. That's, that means the, the second coming of Christ, the rapture of the church. So don't forsake this. Rely on godly relationships. Rely on your church family. Can I tell you, you belong in the body of Christ. You belong in the body of Christ. Pastor, I, 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 I just think you can get to heaven without going to church. Listen to me. I'm not here to split hairs over that, but I know this. God created you to belong to a local body of believers called the church. And God sent his only begotten son to die for the church, which is the spotless bride of Christ. And I want to be a part of the bride today. I want to be a part of the church today. I want to be a part of a local body of believers because God created me to be in relationship with the church. Well, I can watch it on TV, Pastor. Oh, Lord, help me just preach to the... I've never done this before, but I feel the boldness of the, of, of the Lord right now. Listen to me. You can watch a fire on a TV, but you won't feel the warmth. I don't care if that gets any hand claps or amens or not. Listen, if you're sick, stay at home. Watch it. But we've got so many people tonight, now, nowadays that just, just say, I can do church online. Listen, you can, do, you, can, you can do that if you want to, but you're going to miss out on so many things that God has in store for you if you elect to just stay. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some do, all the more that today is approaching. Last but not least, Pastor Kayla, come on to the keyboard. Number three, 
Here it is. Make a difference. We should do everything we do to make a difference. Do everything we can to make a difference. Do everything we can to make a difference. And here's why I wanted to get to this point. Because I believe without a shadow of a doubt, as a matter of fact, the Bible teaches this, that every single one of us has a purpose in the kingdom. I want to get you out of here on time today, 1230. It's not even 1230 yet. You didn't think I could do it. Some of y'all doubted. Let your haters be your motivators. Take that. It's playing. We live streaming this service. Anyway. God called you. God created you for a purpose. His ways are higher than my ways. I know this has been different in this service today as far as this message, but I wanted to hit the highlights. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to what? Serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the various words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised. Everything you do, Look at your neighbor and say, everything you do. All participators, no spectators. Look at your neighbor and say, everything you do. I think the same people participated. Everything you do is to bring praise to God. What am I talking about right now? I'm talking about priorities in your life. That's what I'm really talking about. And, and here's the thing. Here's how I always viewed priorities. And, and listen to me. I've always viewed priorities like this. God family, church, job, whatever. How many of y'all, hey amen, there's nothing, I'm not trying to, whatever, right? That's, that's how I've always viewed priorities, amen? But God calls us to live a Jesus-centered life. Jesus at the center. So here's how I've got a new outlook on priorities. Jesus is in the middle, and everything else revolves around him. That's, that's it. Jesus is in the center, and everything else revolves around him. It's not this, this tier of things. It's more of a sphere or circle. Jesus is in the middle, and everything else we do is all for him. And the moment that gets out of whack, the moment that gets misconstrued, your whole life is out of order. It's out of spiritual order. And just as a little rabbit trail, a little side note, we do things to get that out of order, and then we get mad at God because our life is out of order. <laughs> it's like teenagers, amen. God's like, there you go. Now you know how it is to create someone who, you know, looks like you and everything and denies your very existence. I'm just playing. I love you teenagers. I love you. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. Some of them are mad at me. They're giving me the stink eye. I love you. But on those lines, let me say this. We've got grandparents in the house today. I don't care how old you are. If there's breath in your lungs, God's not finished with you. You've got a purpose. God still desires to do a work in you and through you. Teenagers, I disrespected you earlier. Let me respect you right now. Let me honor you right now. 
Paul told Timothy, he said, let no one despise your youth. Let no one think less of you because you're younger. Can I tell you, God can do a work through you. As a matter of fact, some people believe that Timothy was around 14, 15 years old when he started pastoring. He pastored one of the largest churches in that region. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't do great things for the kingdom of God right now. Revival can break out through one person. One person that stands up in their school and says, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. You can start a revival. God can start a revival through you. So when's the end going to happen, Pastor? I figured it out. Y'all ready? I got your attention again. Here it is, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There's, that's when it's going to happen. What day? It don't matter. It don't matter. If it happened today and you said, I would change this if I knew God was coming back today, change it. Change it. Now. Don't wait. Change it. One last scripture, John 20, verse 7. The disciples come to the tomb of Jesus and they walk in. This is, the, this is after Jesus had been crucified and buried and he was resurrected. They come to the tomb of Jesus and it says, And the napkin that was about his head had been lying, not the napkin that was about his head, not lined with the linen clothes, but wrapped together, meaning folded neatly in a place by itself. Jesus took the linen cloth, the napkin that was wrapped around his head, and he folded it and he, he laid it neatly down. Why was this so important? In Jewish culture, people would, would be feasting at a table and they would have servants serving them. And if they were finished with their meal, meaning if they wasn't coming back, they would take the napkin and they would, they would throw it down, meaning I'm done, I'm not coming back. But if they took the napkin and they folded it, it means I'm not finished, I'm coming back. Jesus took the time, he folded his napkin, he folded it neatly, and he let us know I'm coming back. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.